Welcome to the Metro Church Podcast. We hope you will be blessed by this message. For more information about Metro Church, visit our website at metrochurch.org.au. You know, the past three Sunday PM services, we've been covering the things that stop us from being all that we're meant to be in God. I have a passion for people to fulfill destiny. I remember what it was like being a very shy and uncertain, unsure uh, young man who carried a great sense of inferiority. I remember seeing an ad in the newspaper uh, in Queensland for a charismatic conference. I knew nothing about what that meant. I don't think I'd even heard the term. But something about it caught my attention and I remember saying to the woman who's now my wife, but we were not dating or anything back then because trust me, I wasn't godly enough for anyone to date. And uh, I remember saying to her, because I thought she understood this stuff, I said, I'd like to go, would you go with me? And so we went along to that. It was held at the University of Queensland, a very large hall there of a couple of thousand. I remember walking in and sitting in the very back row in the seat closest to the doors that I made sure they didn't close. And it was at that place that my attention got arrested by the presence of God. I remember the first time I walked into what is now called INC, back then it was COC, and uh, the church I ended up coming on staff of in Brisbane. But I remember walking in and seeing the preacher. I didn't know who he was. I'd never met him. But I saw him on the stage and I remember something inside of me said, you're going to do that. And trust me, there was no way anyone that knew me ever would have believed that. I owned one pair of good long trousers, one pair of good shoes. I had hair halfway down my back. And in those days, that was very definitely uh, not kosher. Or it was a sign that you were pretty much away from everything establishment-wise. And I remember though those moments because those were the moments where destiny cut across my life. And so I am intensely passionate about helping people find their place of destiny. I believe that every one of you has got a calling of God for your life. You may not even be aware of God tonight. Maybe you say, I'm not a Christian. But I would say to you, but God knows your name. And God knows what He made you to be and to do. And so that's why I believe these evening services have been so important. Because we want to see you do everything that God's got planned for you. Where every blessing that He's got, we want you to enjoy that. And so it's no surprise that these things we've been covering, they are the things that cause us to miss out on the blessing of God and often cause us to miss out on the blessing that other people can bring to us. So on the first Sunday night of 2021, we spoke about disappointment and how disappointment can keep you out of great relationships in your life. But more importantly, disappointment sidelines so many people from their destiny. Last Sunday night, it was about offences. And they're not always the big things where someone ticks you off. 
Sometimes they are the disappointments because your life has not become what you expected it to be. Think about that a minute. So important. Joseph's in a jail and the Bible says that the king's cupbearer did not remember Joseph but forgot him. And so here is a man who has had expectations from being a teenager that his life would be one of influence and power, that people would know his name. And instead of that, now he languishes forgotten in a foreign jail. And I meet so many people whose, whose life of stumbling has not been about some grave uh, thing that was done against them, but rather it's the offence of unrealised expectations for life. That the things they thought they'd have by now are not there for them. Next Sunday night, by the way, Pastor Bruce and I are going to do a kind of like a tag team interview slash a message on ignorance because for so many people they are climbing the ladder of success only to find out that when they get to the top the ladder is leaning against the wrong wall so we want to help people with that on the last Sunday night of this month Sunday the 31st we're going to be having an anointing service now I don't believe that necessarily the anointing of the Holy Spirit for the first time may come in your life, maybe it will. But we're going to invite God to touch your life and to increase and to reveal the anointing that He has for you on that Sunday night. We'll actually be anointed with oil, those people that want to respond. So just so you know, but in this service, I want to speak to you about hesitancy, about the timidity to commit about the thing that stops people taking the next step that they are unsure of. They think maybe it's God and yet it hinders so many people from their destiny. So let's go first of all to Acts 9 verse 25 and 26 and 27. It says, And when Saul had come to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples. Pause there a minute because I realise some of you won't know the background of this story. This man Saul has become the chief persecutor of this new group of people called Christians. He's been the one who, out of zeal for the truth of Israel and the truth of the faith that he grew up with as a, a very believing, very orthodox Jew, he has taken it upon himself to rub them out. He considers what they believe to be a distortion, a sect, a, a heresy, in fact. And so he goes about and the, the Bible says that he's not only persecuting them, he's throwing them into jail and even watching some of them get killed for their faith in Christ. We are now picking it up after he has encountered Jesus on the road to Damascus where a bright light shines around about him. He falls to the ground and he hears the voice of Jesus say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? He says, who are you? Who are you? Great question. Who are you? Are you really there, Jesus? Are you just simply the figurehead of a religion called Christianity? 
I believe that so many people around the world are confused because of the plethora of religions that abound. It seems to me we live in a time where you are welcome to believe anything or nothing. And the more bizarre it is, sometimes the more excited people get. It's a great question. Don't dismiss Christianity because you think it represents something historic. This man says, who are you? Jesus says, I am Jesus who you persecute. Saul says, what do you want me to do? He says, I've chosen you to be a light for me under the Gentiles. The problem with that great statement is that he's the only one who hears it. Everybody else don't know until finally one man had an eyes. Well, he gets told by God in a vision, I want you to go to the street called Straight. There you'll find this man Saul and I want you to lay hands on him that he might receive his sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And I says, you've got to be kidding, Lord. This is the worst guy to go to. I don't want to go there. And the Lord says, no, he's my chosen vessel. So off he goes, finds this guy, no doubt knocking on the door, wondering, is this a trap? Is there something behind this? Maybe I shouldn't have gone. But because he remembers the word of the Lord, he steps out, goes, knocks on the door, opens it up. There is this man, Saul, completely blinded. And then he knows with confidence and faith in his heart, I was right all along. And he lays hands on Saul. He's immediately filled with the Holy Spirit and gets his sight back. And this is where we're reading. When Saul had come to Jerusalem, the headquarters, not only of Judaism, but the headquarters of these Christians, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him. They didn't believe that he was a disciple. But Barnabas took him, brought him to the apostles, and he declared to them how he had seen the Lord on the road, that he spoken to him, and how he had preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus. Think about it for a minute. The hesitancy of these people, the crowd that's around watching this man, this guy says, hey, guess what, everybody? I'm on your side. And they go, oh, yeah, for sure you are. Oh, we don't know about that. And so this man who really goes on to become the greatest church planter of all time, who writes almost half of the entire New Testament, was one of the greatest apologists and defenders of the faith, a man of miracles who has seen Jesus but their hesitancy, their timidity keeps them away from this person. There could be such a phenomenal blessing in their life. Now, I certainly understand it, and I'm sure you do as well. But you need to understand something about hesitancy and listen right the way through because I'm not going to simply say, let's all just go out and charge at everything without any thought or any consideration. But one of the things we need to know if we're going to deal with hesitancy or timidity in our life is this, that hesitancy and timidity always magnify what could go wrong over what could go right. Timidity will always point out to you the possibility of failure. It will always show you, first of all, what you can see and what you can feel. These people looked at Saul and they saw the former persecutor 
they felt afraid and that became sufficient reason to say we are not going to go anywhere near that man. Hesitancy always, listen, hesitancy always judges by what it can see and by what it can feel. It operates not on what you do know, which is this man saying, I'm a part of you, I've met the Lord, I've been converted, but it operates on what you don't know and what you aren't aware of and that's where its focus always is. There's a verse in Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verse 4, I love this verse. It says, whoever regards the wind won't sow and he who regards the clouds won't reap. In other words, if you are always giving your attention to the circumstances around about you, you'll never step out and sow a seed. You will never ever reap the harvest. Listen to me tonight. You'll never reap the harvest that ought to be yours. Now, I don't preach nice sermons, uh, really. What I try to do is to deliver something from the Holy Spirit to each one of you. And no matter how long you've been a Christian, no matter how long you've been on the road with God, no matter whether you are somebody who's experienced and gifted and graced and all the rest of that, or whether you are the newest believer or the not yet a believer, this message has got something to say to your life. Hesitancy and timidity always will get your focus uh, totally locked onto what could go wrong. What if it doesn't work? I would guarantee there is not a person a part of the service who couldn't identify some point or other of their life where they missed out on a blessing, where they missed out on something good that could have been theirs, uh, maybe a job or something else, and they missed out on it because timidity said, not you. Not now. Don't do it. But it's not just about bravado. We're not talking here about rushing headlong into who cares. Most Christians would know this verse in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. It says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind. Now, the word fear that's rendered there in the New King James or in the King James is not the word that we would associate with terror. It doesn't mean like being afraid of the dark or afraid of snakes or spiders or big dogs or, or getting sick or whatever. The word there in the Greek is literally the word for timidity. And you've got to ask yourself, why does the Apostle Paul, the same Saul we read about before, why does Saul write to a young man in leadership, a young pastor called Timothy, why does he write to him and say, Timothy, God hasn't given us a spirit of timidity. God's given us a spirit of power. Let me tell you some of the other things that he wrote to this same young leader who's obviously unsure of himself. 1 Timothy 4 verse 12, these won't be up on the screen for you, but you can jot them down if you like. Paul wrote to Timothy and said, let no man despise your youth. Why? Because obviously he felt intimidated because he's so young and he's leading people much older. I met people that are intimidated because they're single and they're leading people that are married. And I always point out to them that Jesus never married anybody yet. And it didn't bother him giving marriage advice. He'd never have children. He'd never have children. One day, of course, he would. 
uh, through the Heavenly Father. But, um, uh, you know, that never stopped him speaking on a whole range of areas. See, most times the things that we think give us confidence are the wrong things. Because the things we think give us confidence can be taken away or can be eroded by something else that happens in life. So Paul writes to him and says this, war a good warfare by the prophecies that have gone on you. So people had spoken prophetically over his life. And Paul says to him, he says, make sure you remember them. Hold them up in prayer and believe over them. Says to him in 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 23, take a little wine often for your stomach's sake. And you get the picture when you read the epistles to Timothy, there's two of them. You get the, the, the picture that here's a young man who really wants to be everything God has for him, but he's just not sure. He's a bit uncertain whether he's got what it takes. Anybody here know what that feels like? I, I said to someone once, I've never done anything in God that I felt equipped for. I've never stepped out. I remember the first time ever I worship led. Believe it or not, I did. And we had a TV program. That was the highest rating TV show on commercial television on a Sunday morning right across Australia. It was watched by hundreds of thousands of people. And I was the worship leader on that. People would recognise me in the street. And I don't say that to say, aren't I amazing? Because, see, I remember the first time. I remember in the church I'd grown up in, the, when, when people were asked to sing, I was literally asked to mime. Well, exactly like I had a lot of confidence in my ability. When it came to leadership, I was the skinny little kid and watching everybody else get picked first. So you'll understand that I don't say that as some grandiose pat on the back. I say it for the opposite reason. I say if God could take somebody that shy, if God could get somebody who was that intimidated by everybody, I can't remember anyone at school that I felt superior to. Not that you should, but there sure wasn't anybody. And if God could do that with somebody, then come on, what could he do with you? Listen, don't let your sense of timidity out of your upbringing or out of your educational background or out of your cultural heritage or out of your gender or out of anything at all. Don't let that tell you what God can do with your life. Come on. God can do something awesome with you. This young man, so intimidated, so unsure of himself, History tells us, pastored the largest church in New Testament times. I've heard it as, as high as 200,000 people in that church. A wonderful, wonderful spreading of the gospel. And this is what I want you to know out of this, that my wondering does not prevent God's working. Listen to me. You may be uh, feeling a little insecure. And, oh God, who am I? But can I tell you tonight, your wondering doesn't prevent God's working. Then don't, listen, your truth is not the way you feel. I'll say that again. The way you feel is not truth. It's just your feelings. 
It's no more than that. It's a snapshot of your emotional life right now. That's all it is. My wondering doesn't prevent God's working. Come on. I feel like God is saying something to people here tonight. I'm hoping you're getting it. Because I believe that tonight is one of those kind of nights where God wants to set alight some of you where the, the flame has been smoldering as where it's not a flame. It's just been smoldering away there. And God says, come on. Come on. I've got something great for you. Will you trust me? Will you let me take you forward? Will you step out of the shadows? And listen, some of you that applaud everybody else and you are always encouraging others and God says, I want you to go. I want you to step out. I want you to do it. Think about this. Barnabas was the man who goes and finds Saul. He's called Barnabas, which literally means son of encouragement or son of consolation. But I noticed that this man who was very good at promoting others, he ends up leading an apostolic church planting team of his own later because God said to him, Barnabas, you've been great at helping others. Now it's time for you to step out. Let me give you one more story just quickly. First Samuel chapter 30, I'm not going to read it all for the sake of time, but it's David when he comes back to his home base and everything has been taken and robbed. The Amalekites, which was a, an enemy of David's, they've come and they've taken away all their families or everything they own and then they've burned the city to the ground. David turns up with his men, they've been hunted and persecuted. Now they're like, he's going like, are you kidding me? Could it ever get worse than where it is? I've preached on this story a lot. I love it. Verse 6 says, But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. Verse 7 says, Then David said to Abiathar the priest, Ahimelech's son, Please bring the ephod, that was the priestly garment, bring that here to me. And Abiathar brought the ephod to David. Now, I never saw this until this week. So you know this is fresh for you. So David inquired of the Lord, saying, shall I pursue this troop? Shall I overtake them? And I realised that David's not so sure. David, the warrior, doesn't just get out of there and go, you know what, I can do this, I'm full. See, listen to me, too many Christians think that's the normal Christian life. I'm amazing, I'm full of the Holy Spirit, look out, here I come. woo I get into a phone booth, rip open my shirt, and there's a big S. Amen for spirit-filled, carved right into there. I'm incredible. Oh, yes, I have the mind of Christ. Yes, sometimes you've got the mind of, of dried-up spaghetti. Hello? But your mind of dried-up spaghetti doesn't prevent the Holy Ghost. Come on, are you here with me tonight? I, I want you to get this tonight because some of you are relying so far too much on what whether you can work it out and whether your brains go lined up and how, how godly you are and, and, you know, have you been doing all the right things and if you've done the wrong thing, now you've lost your destiny and other such lies of the devil. This guy's not sure. Huh? He says, God, should I? I don't know. So he asked God for clarity. He says, God, oh, I don't know what would happen if the Lord had said no. I guess he wouldn't have gone. Ask God for clarity of his will. That's so simple. God, should I do this? If he says yes, then here's my next bit of advice. Ready? I'll say it in the way Australians say it. Are you ready? Get ready to write this profound truth down. Go for it.
Huh? David never went out there going, oh, look, I'm just sending a couple of guys ahead, go around the corner, see if there's any Amalekites. After all, we don't know. Fine. Yeah. The dude goes, grabs his sword and says, come on, guys, let's go and win them all back. And they're all going, are you nuts? Hello, there's a lot more of them than there is of us. But David's heard something from God. Oh, I love, uh, more than anything, if I could do one thing, I would get every believer turned on, switched on to hearing the voice of the Holy Spirit. Really. Because I know that if you will live a spirit-led life, not a strange one, just a spirit-led one, I know that you will change the world. Amen. Because you'll hear God. And God will do something great. Ask God for clarity of His will. And if you don't know whether you're hearing God or not, do what I've been telling people for 30-something years. I tell them three-step process. First of all, tell God, God, I'll do whatever you say. And mean it. Don't tell Him that if you don't mean it. I say, tell God, I'll do whatever you want. There is nothing I own I won't give to you. There is no thing I'm holding on to that will stop me saying yes. God, if I know it's you, I'll do whatever you say. Second thing is I say, God, tell me what to do in a way that I can hear it. I'm not going to go around looking at street signs to see whether that, oh, I just went into Birmingham Street. I'm meant to go to Birmingham. No, maybe you're just meant to keep driving past. Just a thought. Then I say to them, tell God this. If I haven't heard clearly from you, bye. And give a reasonable good period of time because none of us are that, you know, brilliant all the time. You've got to give your emotions a chance to die down. How many people have you ever fallen in love with that you never were in love with? You just thought you were in love with them. We won't go there. Talking to all the young people right now. To all the older people. Amen. So I say to them, say, God, if I haven't heard anything from you, buy it. And I, I say, make it at least a month. Because your emotions will get too much in the mix. God, if I haven't heard from you by one month's time, this is what I'm going to do. And I'll trust you with my walk. Ask God for clarity. God says he'll give it. The Bible says so in the book of James. Ask God for wisdom. He will give it and won't rebuke, won't reject. Here's the last thing I want to say before I finish and the team are going to come in a minute. Above all of that, when it comes to timidity, see, I, I don't have the answer for nervousness. People ask me, someone asked me this week, do you ever get nervous? I go, of course, everyone does. Everybody put them into something unfamiliar enough, put them into an unusual environment, Everybody I know of, I've been around people, I'll never forget a friend of mine spoke for a living. He was a, a business consultant, paid huge amounts of money. And I watched him come to a, our church staff meeting once and he was shaking. You could see it. And I asked him, because after I knew him so well, I said, what was that? How come you're so nervous? This is what you do. And he said, oh, no, Jeff. He said, this is your environment. It's not mine. And I understood from that that every one of us, come on, every one of us can feel timid. I don't have a way to prevent you ever feeling nervous, wondering whether you're doing the right thing or not. I don't have any, any special answer for that. But I'll tell you what I do have, 
And that's the word of God that tells me if I trust God, he'll watch over me. Psalm 37, verse 23. Team, if you want to come. Psalm 37, verse 23. The steps of a good man or a good woman are ordered by the Lord and he delights in his way. That means I trust a heavenly father who says to me, Jeff, when you are unsure, trust me, I'm going to be in this. I'm going to help you. The prophet Isaiah says that, you know, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk you in it when you turn to the right hand or to the left. God is going to, as I said this morning, God doesn't walk ahead of me waiting for me to catch up. He's not behind me with a prod or a goad saying, would you quickly come on, get moving? Jesus never said that. He said, lo, I am with you always. So I know He's with me. Amen. We're going to pray together. Pastor Bruce is going to come in a minute. He's going to be praying with people online. So those of you that are online and maybe timidity, shyness, a sense of inferiority, maybe normally you're really got it together. But right now you're facing a decision. You go, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Oh God, you know, what if I'm wrong? We'd love to pray with you. If you're in the building, some of our team are ready, waiting to pray with you. We'd love to stand with you and and say, God, would you help them? But you know, Pastor Bruce, we can't, at least I don't think I can pray and say, God, take all that nervousness away. But what we can pray is say, God, we surrender this to you. Would you help us? Give us clarity. Give us guidance in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, stand if you're in the building. Would you stand with us a minute? Online, Pastor Bruce, would you just right now, before we sing anything, tell everyone how to log that prayer request and let them, let you know that they're waiting for you. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, we'd love to pray specific. So uh, why don't you take that first step and that's putting pen to paper, as it were, uh, which for us at Metro Church Online, that means sending us a prayer request, uh, you reaching out to God through either a text message um, or sending us an email. So you can text us 0439-134-764 if you are in Australia, or you can email us wherever you are, prayer at metrochurch.org.au. So why don't you put forward what it is uh, that you're wanting to step out and believe God for and to be bold about, uh, and we'll be praying for that specifically uh, uh, ministry time at the end for those uh, specifics, but of course, corporately, we're going to be praying in the building and online shortly as well. Fantastic. Thank you so much. Just give everyone the how do they do that again. Can they do it on the chat as well, on YouTube chat? Yeah, if you want to, absolutely. Right. You can uh, text us through through our Facebook Live or YouTube chat. Obviously, just remember, everyone can see what you put there, but maybe that's going to be a step of timidity yeah. for you. Otherwise, uh, you can text us 0439-134-764 or send us an email, prayer at metrochurch.org.au. Yeah. Amen. We'd love to pray. 